Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hi, I'm Jeff Bast from Bast Amron, and this is The Practice Podcast. Hi, I'm Brett Amron from Bast Amron. Today, our topic is helping small businesses navigate the current crisis and the length of this crisis that, quite honestly, I don't think anybody at the beginning anticipated. And so I trust that a lot of you out there having clients come to you or if you're small business owners yourselves saying, hey, you know, I barely weathered the first round of shutdowns. And now the virus is continuing on, is getting worse in a lot of areas. You see a lot of states and and cities that are rolling back reopening plans and there's a contemplation of shutdowns in places. And so that's a lot to take for small businesses that were teetering and having trouble anyway. PPP is starting to run out or they may have already run out of their PPP proceeds. So what's a, what's a small business to do? How can they navigate? And so today, I think we're going to try to come up with some, some things to think about, to advise your clients on, to just kind of help try to do the best they can to navigate and, and see what's the best option for them. Yeah, I think that's a great topic, Brett. And we're, we continue to get more and more calls, and not only by the small business owners, but the lawyers that represent them. And so if you're a lawyer, non-bankruptcy lawyer, who's representing a business, small business that is struggling through this crisis, and they're really just unsure about how to approach it, we sort of view this problem as um, you know having five primary steps. First is assess your resources, assessing and preserving your resources. Let me, let me run through them and we can talk about each one, yep. one by one. Assess and preserve your resources, prioritize the obligations, so prioritize creditors, negotiate forbearance, consider the objectives, and these are not necessarily in order, consider the objectives and options, and finally consult with the professionals. And so if we look at the first one, the, the way I see the first one is assessing and preserving your resources. So what are the resources of a company? Their assets, cash, accounts receivable, employees. And so how do they, you know, first is determine what do you have and what do you expect? Yeah. And and I, I would say, I mean, normally, you know, when we start planning budgets, you know, we look, you know, a number of months or even years out, given the current environment, I, I don't think Candidly, you can go more than 30 days um, given how things, how quickly things are changing and just the chaos that, that right. seems to be raining down everywhere and, and how you know things change so quickly. But even, even in that, you've got some places that have equipment, they've got you know, physical inventory, things like that that you have to factor in. And it's not just necessarily inventory that is on site already, but if you have orders that are outstanding for goods that are coming in, you know, where are they? Have right. they been manufactured? Have they been put on the boat or on the plane or on the truck? And are they on their way to you? And so those are things that you can lay out in assessing your resources and the assets you have, and then comparing that to the liabilities, almost like creating the budget, right? 30-day budget. This is what I anticipate. Right. And, and being realistic, I think is the key. So in in uh, insolvency world, we tend to think in what we call thirteen week cash flow budgets. It's a three month period. 
So a 13-week week budget will show what the beginning cash is, what revenues are expected, left the expenses, you know, week by week. As Brett indicated, it's kind of tough to, you know, as, as you said, it's kind of tough to uh, budget out 13 weeks in this in this climate. But you, you know, you mentioned assets in different places. You know, I think it's a good time to be thinking as a business owner about assets that are at other locations for purposes of, you know, that business may fail. And so we're seeing this a lot with a lot of consignment vendors, people who consign their products to another to another business, another retailer, for example. If that retailer fails or ends up in a bankruptcy and you have consigned product there, there are certain requirements under each each state has their own applicable consignment laws. You have to record UCCs. They have to be properly, you know, segregated or, or otherwise noticed and so there's lots of requirements you need to be thinking about all those um, all those obligations and all those categories of assets in different locations you know in terms of cash and employees we have ppp loans that are coming in now do you use the ppp loans to pay your employees to keep them on staff you know obviously i don't mean to be cavalier about employees these are people in their lives but they are an important resource they're an asset of a business and so if you just terminate your employees, obviously it's a terrible thing to do and people don't know business owner does that lightly, but those employees are going to look for other work. And so it, it, uh, if you start to reopen, you may not have that resource available anymore. And now you're starting to look for new employees. So these are just considerations to think about. Okay. Before we get to the second one, let me just talk on the first one, we talk about employees. You know, one of the first things that we always ask when we have a small business or business owner in our office looking for restructuring or insolvency advice is, have you paid employment taxes? Because employment taxes are one where everyone's like, oh, you know, I'll just not pay those and that's extra cash for me and I'll make it up later. But there's personal liability for that as as the business owner, number one. And then we always ask, have you paid any sales tax? Because there's potential right. liability there too, so those exactly. are that you have to include in those line items when you're, you know, factoring that budget and things that have to be paid or should be paid. Health insurance is another one if you do pay health insurance or retirement or things like that. So exactly, be realistic, yeah. you know, and get that get that real true assessment over that period of time. Right. So that's exactly you just that's exactly the second category, which is prioritizing creditors. You spoke to it. A lot of liabilities have priorities, but a lot of them are trust fund requirements. So payment of payroll taxes is a perfect example of, you know, that's a creditor that has to get paid. You're basically a lot of business owners don't realize that when they collect payroll taxes and don't pay them to the IRS, they're collecting that money on behalf of their employees. That money that they don't pay to the IRS is not their own money. They use it for another purpose that is, in some places, in some considerations, theft. Same thing with sales tax. You are collecting as a business owner. When you collect sales tax, you're collecting it as an agent for the governmental agency, typically the state. So it's a trust fund liability. If you don't pay it, you have violated trust. In some places, there's even criminal liability for that. But as Brad mentioned, there is certainly personal liability. So you have to prioritize the creditors. And those, that's not an easy thing to do. It's, uh, you know, every, there's so many, uh, so many components of that. You have obviously loan documents that are going to govern. You have state and federal laws that are going to govern. It's important that, that business owners consult with their professionals about how to prioritize creditors. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, there's always that as a small business owner, you may have personally guaranteed some of those obligations, whether it be to a bank, to a landlord, on a credit card. And, you know, you sitting there as a business owner thinking, well, okay, if the business fails, the business fails. But now I may be personally on the hook for some of this stuff. Where should the money go? You know, those are always considerations. And, you know, dollars are finite if, if they are not enough to pay the bills. And so right. that's why you really have to sit down. If you don't have an accountant or you don't have somebody in-house, you really have to sit down and figure out you know, what the expenses are and what the obligations are, right? The larger obligations, not just the cash flow, but the larger obligations of the business and to whom the money is owed, who is obligated on those debts and prioritize, as Jeff said, are there secured creditors who have collateral, um, whether it be the inventory or the equipment? Are there, you know, uh, the landlord, right? If the landlord, if you default the landlord, the landlord proceeds, the landlord can assert a landlord's lien and potentially lien up some of the equipment or inventory that is located on site. And that can create additional issues for you uh, and your business. So, and I know it's tough with employees, like you said, employees, you know, every small business owner wants to keep their team and their employees and they want to keep them getting paid and they want to pay if they, again, if they provide benefits, they want to, they want to keep doing that. But I think you have to have a real true assessment and sit down and figure out to, again, to whom you owe, um, priority of that, and see if you can you can make a go of it and see if it works. Right. And that's exactly, you know, the third criteria in our list was negotiating forbearance. And so when you determine the priority of creditors, and that may be driven by whether they're secured or the size of the obligation or the importance to their business, that's when you pick up the phone and start communicating with them. Extend and reduce as much as you can. Can you extend the payment terms? Can you reduce the obligations? If you've assessed your resources and you know that you have a collective pot of, let's say it's cash to make it simple, and there's only enough to pay 20 cents on the dollar to all creditors, well, that's that's at least a starting point. If you start with your largest creditors then and determine if they're going to allow for some forbearance, then that drives what the the options may be. But to, to Brett, to your point from a minute ago about personal guarantees, a lot of business owners just don't even know. And they haven't looked at their loan documents, they don't have them, and they pick up the phone and they're consulting with us. And our our last item in the list is consulting with the professionals. These are great things to determine before you go to consult your your professionals. Identify do all if you do all these things, then your consultation with the professionals is going to be a lot a lot more effective because you've determined which debts are personally guaranteed, which ones are secured, what assets you have, what resources you have. So once you've done all those three things, assessing the resources, prioritizing the creditors, negotiating forbearance. So before uh, you move on, the negotiating the forbearance goes back to a podcast we did previously about communication, right? And communicating with creditors and the importance of that. And throughout this process, once you get to the point of, you know, assessing your resources, prioritizing your obligations, and then it's, you know, trying to negotiate or discuss forbearance is really communicating with your creditors to let them know. I mean, you're not alone in this environment. This is not a situation in all likelihood that it's just your business that failed for whatever reason. You know, there's a lot of businesses that are either failing or going through hardship because of the current environment. And so I think to the extent they can be, creditors have been a bit more receptive to working with, you know, the obligors on the debt 
if they come to them with, you know, with a plan, I mean, or with an idea or with some thoughts about here, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I would like to do. Right. You know, work with me, not just, hey, I need, I need a break. So these steps will help, I think, in that regard as well. Yeah, I think a lot of borrowers, particularly tenants in this environment, fail to recognize that their landlord has their own creditors that they're dealing with. So a lot of lessors, commercial lessors, have their own restrictions that they can't, they, they're answering to their own lender, that they can't just agree to waive rent. And so, but it's an important conversation to have to determine how much you can get. And which brings us to the next item on the list, which is considering the objectives. And I think a lot of people would say, well, why isn't that the first one? What, you know, don't, don't you first consider your objectives? Well, yes, you can think about your objectives. And when, what we mean by objectives is keeping the business, operating it. Do you sell assets? Do you liquidate? Are you going to try to restructure? Are you just walking away or retooling? Yeah, you should think about those things at the beginning, but you can't really effectively do that until you've done the other steps in this process that we've been talking about. You've got to determine what the resources are, what the creditor tolerance is, what what the capabilities are, how much forbearance you have, what time kind of considerations you have. Once you have all those considerations in mind, then you can really consider the objectives and think about what you know what what you want to try to do with the business. Yeah, and some of that may be dictated for you, unfortunately, you know, with with local, state and local mandates and just sort of right. the environment of where you're located and what's going on there. So you know, those are all things that you know we we as restructuring advisors don't ever really didn't have to deal with too too much. But today in this environment, that's something you have to maintain. So it's not just the financial aspect of it, it's logistics too and keeping your your ear to the ground on everything that's going on in your local community and state level. And even then, I mean I, I know some business owners that have had to go to their municipality and and lobby, you know, whether it be the county level or, or city level and try and lobby for their particular type of business to remain open. And some have been successful and some haven't. And so right. there's opportunities there as well. Yeah, these are new times, but certainly you're, you're 100% right that a lot of this is dictated by you know, third parties. A lot of it is driven by, you know, it used to be that most of what we did restructuring was driven by the primary driver of restructuring was litigation. People, businesses would come to us, lawyers would come to us because their client is being sued and they're on the eve of the judgment or maybe they already have a judgment they're on the eve of execution. Right. And now it's being driven by closures and municipalities and, and the creditors are creditor litigation is not as much of a driver. The last consideration we have is consulting with professionals. It, it's people like us, restructuring advisors, lawyers, most, lawyers know what they don't know. And so you might be a business owner may have a litigation lawyer or a real estate lawyer or corporate lawyer, but they really ought to bring in restructuring advisors who can consider really the options that are available and with with much of it being driven by what we've talked about today. But a lot of companies come to us and say, what can, what should we do? And what do we always say? We ask them, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to shut this down? Do you have a tolerance? for trying to make this work or are you just done and you haven't slept in six months and you're, you know, you're done and you want to walk away and we can help you liquidate it. So but consulting with professionals is really an important consideration. Yeah. And the only thing I'll add to that is, I, I mean, is the sooner the better. I mean, and I know, you know, people are really don't want to have to hire another lawyer, but 
you know, if, if you bring in an advisor, well, again, whether it's a lawyer or another type of advisor that can help, the earlier that you get them involved, the more options may be on the table. And so, you know, if it's too late, like we always say, when the, you know, if we get the call and the house is on fire, you know, there's very, you know, there's stuff we can do, but it's limited. Water. <laughs> right. Put, put a hose, put some water on it. But the earlier that you do that, just like the earlier that you plan and look forward that, you know, you can, you can have some options and you, know, you may end up a little bit better off. So all about yeah. planning. So what, Jeff, run through the top five, the, the list of five again, and... Assess and preserve resources, prioritize creditors, negotiate forbearance, consider objectives, and consult with the professionals. And professionals, by the way, is not just lawyers. There are accountants. There are also financial advisors who specialize in restructuring. And a lot of those, we refer a lot of those to our clients. And so sometimes an, a good operational restructuring advisor can be a perfect adjunct to, uh, to a professional team. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Brett. This has been informative and enjoyable. As always. Bye, everybody. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.